When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Recorded live. Good evening, everyone. This is Valdis Leon at the Might is Right Network. It's Wednesday, May 13th, 2015. So how's everybody doing out there? Oh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about this time. Let's see. First here, this uh, I'm going to talk about the general concept of white rage uh, and some of the things that should inspire it and what it means to us, what it means in terms of our retention of dignity and so forth. Well, uh, this is one article that enraged me when I read it yesterday. It is, oh, the sound is good, I see, uh, the chat box, great, thank you for telling me that. Um, Okay, so, uh, from the New York Times, May 12th, yesterday, the title of the article is Black Professor Regrets Comments Critical of White Students, and before I read the article, notice it doesn't say apology. Although some of the articles on this do say in the title that she apologized, but they're lying. So the article goes, an incoming Boston University professor who called, quote, white college males a, quote, problem population, unquote, and was publicly criticized by the university's president said on Tuesday she regrets making the remarks. Notice they didn't quote that regret. Uh, I believe they will later in this article, though this isn't the one I read yesterday. Black sociology professor, continuing here, uh, Seda Grundy, who completed her doctorate at the University of Michigan last year, had declared on her now private Twitter account that, quote, white masculinity is... The, the in all caps, problem for America's colleges, unquote. In other recent tweets, she said, quote, deal with your white expletive, white people. Slavery is a asterisk, y'all asterisk thing, unquote. And, quote, every MLK week, I commit myself to not spending a dime in white-owned businesses. And every year, I find it nearly impossible, unquote. Grundy on Tuesday said events in the United States over the past year have made, quote, the inconvenient matter of race, unquote, an unavoidable topic. But she expressed remorse over what she had said. Okay, that's a lie, because here is what she said. They quote her right here. Quote, I regret that my personal passion about issues surrounding these events led me to speak about them indelicately, 
I deprived them of the nuance and complexity that such subjects always deserve, unquote. So, I'm not going to uh, read too much of the rest of this article, but an, another thing that, anyway, I'll, I'll read the rest of what I'm going to read and then we could talk about this and you're welcome to call in anybody who wants to and discuss this uh, article here. So, President Robert Brown acknowledged Grundy's right to hold and express her opinions, but said her remarks unfairly, quote-unquote, typecast certain groups of people. He stopped short, though, of acknowledging the comments were directed almost exclusively at whites. So, Brown's letter reads, I do not say this lightly or without a great deal of consultation and soul-searching. I understand there is a broader context to Dr. Dr. Grundy's tweets and that as a scholar she has the right to pursue her research, formulate her views, and challenge the rest of us to think differently about race relations. But we also must recognize that words have power and the words in her Twitter feed were powerful in the way they stereotyped and condemned other people. It's funny, that's not what the president of that university in California says about Kevin McDonald, the pro-white professor there. None of those staff or the president are defending his right to free speech. They just lament that he has that uh, emeritus status that prevents them from being able to fire him. Even though, of course, he's never called any demographic of the student population a problem population, uh, Kevin McDonald, you know, but just because he cares about the survival of white people, he is deemed a bad person, and they would love to fire him, but they can't. So, what this uh, should mean to us, I mean, the noteworthy aspects of this are that a professor is openly saying these things and not apologizing. That's one thing. Um, She stands by all of her ideas she she expressed. She just regrets that uh, she spoke indelicately about them. So... Another factor that should weigh into your soul's reaction to this article is the way the media presents it, which is always predictable. Anytime a nigger says something bad about humans, the media says they apologized when they really didn't. Sometimes they do apologize, but when the nigger doesn't apologize, then the Jews lie and say the niggers apologized and even white people who don't even deal directly with Jews in the media 
the the white media people they know they're supposed to lie and say that the muds have apologized for any bad thing they've ever said against us so it's like that uh, Kanye West when he did that thing uh I forget which one it was for sure. I think it was the Taylor Swift incident, uh, which clearly was a racial thing, and every single famous musician without exception was too cowardly to say so publicly. Uh, It was a racial thing, as can be seen by all his other antics he's done from when I first heard of him, which wasn't from his music, but was from the Hurricane Katrina controversy where he and Mike Myers were talking to the public live on TV and nigger Kanye said George Bush doesn't care about black people and he's given the army the police uh, whatever he's given them permission to shoot us and uh, Mike Myers tried to maintain his composure and just continue with reading the script they were given to read and uh, so everything from that to the Taylor Swift thing to the Beck thing, you know, even though, well, I've read Beck as a Jew, but, you know, he looks white and the niggers don't know any difference between whites and Jews. And uh, the it seems that uh, racialists uh, think that every uh, white uh, person who's had any success as a Jew. So even if it says it on this or that website, I wouldn't trust that Beck is a Jew. But at any rate, uh, this thing, I think it was just earlier this year, a couple months ago at an awards show, Kanye West disrespected Beck and then somewhere in the next few days gave an interview totally blasting Beck, who had won an award. And uh, nigger Kanye had said that, uh, you know, I think he was talking about Beyonce again, uh, like he had about Taylor Swift. But at any rate, uh, um, the media lied and said that that uh, nigger Kanye West apologized. And I watched the interview. This was a couple years ago when he did that thing to Taylor Swift, uh, taking the award out of her hand or the microphone out of her hand or something and saying Beyonce should have won it, uh, he, he uh, in that interview, didn't apologize, but the white interviewer um, said, I'm glad you apologized, or, or he even put the words in his mouth. So you're sorry. You're sorry about that. And, you know, Kanye didn't ever say he's sorry about it. So it's just, completely insulting to us how the media is lying to us and uh, you know white rage is something healthy that boils up in our hearts and our souls as we read these lies and it wouldn't be something I would call white rage if it was just more innocent types of lies that weren't designed to aid in our destruction as a people. But these lies are all designed to aid in the process of our destruction, that is, genetically and culturally. 
the media works together. It was this whole trend of media behavior was started by Jews, but they don't even have to continue. I, I'm not sure. I know they still have a great level of control and uh, firsthand dealing with the reporters, but they wouldn't even have to because the white reporters, and even to an extent the non-white reporters, all know how they have to report news in order to keep their jobs, and better yet, get a promotion. You know, the more ass you kiss, the more shit you suck out of the Jew's asshole, the more chances you'll make money and get to, you know, support your kids better. The more you throw away your children's future, the more money you'll make, folks. Real smart, huh? Yeah, everybody's so smart. All the capitalist people are so smart. Um a couple other uh, stories that should invoke white rage are, as I reported a month or two ago, this Ninth Circuit Court upholding the ban on American flag shirts in a California high school. I don't give a damn about the stupid flag, but the fact is that it was banned because brown scum from south of the border consider it to re- consider that flag to represent the white race and the white race's role in the Mexican-American War. So these people with a foreign allegiance, that is an allegiance to a different race and a different country, uh, had the spoken or unspoken threat of violence they would perpetrate against these white students for wearing those shirts. And it's not only enraging enough that the school itself uh, sent these kids home if they wouldn't turn the shirts inside out, but it it makes it infuriating that the court itself said that, uh, that the school did not violate their free speech rights by maintaining a safe environment by not letting their mud attackers get enraged enough to attack them. Obviously, the concept of freedom of speech and freedom of expression is that the government will step in and ward off people who would commit violence or punish those who have committed it. That's what freedom of speech is about. So obviously, we don't have it. The niggers and spicks and Jews have it, and the homosexuals, everybody who isn't heterosexual and white has it. They can express their pride anytime they want, but the people who still comprise a larger segment of society than any other people, whether we're still a majority, the majority or not, we are the largest chunk, that is heterosexual white people, we're not allowed to wear our own flags, our own country's flag on a day that the Mexicans don't want us to. Does that invoke your rage or not? Two more 
brief cases I'll point out that should invoke white rage, a burning <clears throat> and dangerous white rage. Okay, from uh, Wikipedia, the new Black Panther Party voter intimidation case, sometimes known simply as the Black Panther case, is a political controversy in the United States concerning an incident that occurred during the 2008 election. The new Black Panther Party and two of its members were charged with voter intimidation for their conduct outside a polling station in Philadelphia. And um, the Department of Justice later narrowed the charges against Shabazz and dismissed the charges against the party and Jerry Jackson. And uh, the decision to dismiss the charges has led to accusations that the Department of Justice under the Obama administration is biased against white victims and unwilling to prosecute minorities for civil rights violations. So uh, there you have it. In 2008, you can see the video on YouTube of those niggers standing there with batons or whatever and uh, telling white people they'd better vote for Obama. So, fast forward to 2012. This is from the Washington Times, Tuesday, November 6, 2012. Problems at the polls surfaced early Tuesday in the battleground state of Pennsylvania, with Republican election monitors being turned away from polling places and members of the new Black Panther Party appearing at voting sites in Philadelphia. Now, going down in the article, skipping a few paragraphs, it says, the new Black Panther Party was back at the polls Tuesday in Philadelphia where its members provoked a complaint of voter intimidation in 2008. A reporter for Philadelphia Magazine found a Uniformed member of the new Black Panther Party, Tuesday morning at the entrance to a polling place in the 1200 block of Fairmount Avenue in Philadelphia. The reporter, Victor Fiorilla, told the man he was going to take his photograph. No pictures, please, he replied. When the reporter asked the Black Panther if he was there to provide this security, the man replied, no comment. Other Black Panthers reportedly showed up at a second polling place at Philadelphia Tuesday morning. So, it happened in 08, it happened in 2012, and all of the violence that always happens against whites every time niggers take over and get more political power and social clout, etc., and gain on us, I mean, the, the percentage of the U.S. population they comprise supposedly isn't rising. However, ours is decreasing and fast, so they are gaining on us in those terms. Uh, we're decreasing while they're staying the same, so they are rising not only politically and socially, but numerically as well uh, against us. And this always happens. So we can do something about it take matters into our own hands, break the rules that our enemies have made, uh, restraining us from uh, uh, prevent, from uh, helping our uh, progeny to survive and flourish, or we can 
sit back and give speeches and hold up banners and let the nigger assault continue full force and uh, we can have uh, at best the reports uh, from our kids of their cars and houses being broken into and stuff stolen or at worst them being uh, beaten or even raped or killed including the males raped by male niggers so uh, you know morality and legality never uh, have any commonality yes uh, the sound is just okay one other fella says in the chat box there um, let's see let me know if the sound ever goes bad, folks. And uh, people are welcome to call in. Um, no callers yet, but plenty of folks sitting in the chat box. Uh, yeah, you're welcome to call in, people. So, you see, uh, if you lose your rage, you lose your dignity. Uh, the anti-white media and establishment and the anti-white attitude among the common folk should enrage you. Uh, don't lose your rage. Let your rage propel your actions. See, everybody's born with a sense of dignity. That's not something we learn. We learn to not have dignity. That's what civilization teaches. And uh, right now, the current civilization we live in is oppressing us in its own unique form. Each civilization has had its unique form of oppression over the years, be it the... Uh, but a lot of it was infighting amongst whites, as Dr. Pierce has pointed out, that uh, even though there are many nuances that... Uh, and even some major uh, things that are outside the bounds of his generalizations, he, Dr. Pierce has pointed out that by and large, if you want to sum up history of the past uh, few thousand years into uh, a general, uh, you know, into a paragraph or two, it consists of, it has, it has consisted of the white race handling its own affairs for thousands of years. And as Pierce eloquently put it, sometimes we weren't very nice to each other. But it was all in the family. And then, at one point, the Jews entered the picture, and they've been, I don't remember how he put it, but I would say they've been running us and degrading us ever since. So it's one thing for there to be infighting in a family where people maltreat each other, and it's a whole other thing for some alien people to come in and start abusing family members of your family, you know? That's a whole different ballgame. But uh, at any rate, uh, uh, manifestations of uh, civilization do include the, uh, the uh, abuses suffered by the Irish under the English, where all of, the, all of their uh, wives on their wedding night... Uh, were required to be fucked by the local priest or local 
government official or what have you. And that extended, as far as the priests, uh, that extended up even into the 1900s, but by then I think it was just the Irish doing it to them, doing it to each other. Not the, it wasn't an English-Irish thing, but the priests were uh, uh, fucking all the local supposed virgins on their wedding night. Probably weren't virgins anyway, most of them, but uh, they were doing that. Um, and, you know, whites have enslaved each other and everything, so it's, uh, you know, these are the fruits of the uh, of uh, civilization and domestication. But uh, if you lose your rage then that means that you, it's like a, you're a dog that's been beaten by a stick and and you whimper and whimper and you just want to learn how to not get beaten by the stick. Well, I've got news for you. Valdis Leon doesn't want to learn how to not be beaten by a stick. I want to uh, have a fight with the person or group of people that's uh, beating me. I want to try to learn how to tear their throat out with my teeth. And if I can't do it, I want to die trying. Uh, I want to fight against them. I want to hate them. I do hate them. I don't have any choice but to hate anyone who's beating me with a stick. And that's the dignified attitude toward anybody who's trying to destroy you or your kind or trying to destroy anything that you love. So losing your sense of rage that you initially have when you discover that your race has been targeted for extermination, or at least you discover, you notice that it's been targeted for degradation by the establishment, a lot of uh, people who initially take a path toward white racialism when they realize that, most of them eventually just subside and say, oh, what can you do? Or they, they try very, very hard to assimilate and to assimilate physically and financially and socially. They have to assimilate mentally, psychologically. They, so they try very hard to convince themselves that, oh, since white people did bad things to each other over the years too, you know, in centuries past, or millennia past, it's, uh, uh, we've just got to look at this extermination that's going on against us worldwide as just another one of those things, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. That's their way of saying, I want to have friends, I want to have a house, I want to um, be enslaved at a job, whatever sense that makes. But uh, that's what they want, so that's their way of saying that. And, uh, yeah, it's like Varg Vikernes says, you have to stop wanting to have so many things. That's a form of enslavement, to want to have so many things to where you need to work, 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 and participate in the system. He says we need to... Uh, to start living a, a, how did he put it in that video? I'm trying to remember. Something to the effect that we need to lower our standard of living. Yeah, we need to learn to have less, and that will be the key 
to us breaking away from tyranny. So, getting back to the point of white rage and the importance of it in our struggle and to us, well, I haven't even touched on it, the importance of it to the struggle, but I'm just talking about the importance of it to you each as a as a as human beings to each of us to any one of us as a human being the rage boiling up and bursting forth through action is essential to us maintaining our dignity if a person no longer has rage and rage can be expressed through passive aggression by the way I'm not advocating that people be animals and not be able to control themselves. I'm the most in-control person you'll ever meet. And some of you might meet me sometime. I'm the most in-control, but I sit, and I think, and I hate. And eventually, I take action. Now we're going to move ahead and talk about, uh, uh, oh, sound is excellent. Well, thank you for that input. That's nice. Uh, uh, if, I, if I don't have any callers, at least I have people in the uh, chat box uh, communicating and letting me know everything's coming through well. So uh, the next issue we're going to discuss here Oh, I've got so many windows open on this computer. I hear a nigger advertisement. I think that's what it is. Well, I can close some of these because I already talked about this stuff. Hopefully that nigger voice will go away. Okay. Um, yeah, it went away. Cool. All right. Uh, the uh, next topic is... Uh, Uh, dealing with, again, the subject of dignity. And this is, uh, we're going to talk about the dignity of men in particular, but at the same time, you know, we'll talk about men and women's uh, uh, habits as regards uh, sex and relationships. Uh, but, uh, see, it's the natural imperative, the point I want to make is this, it's the natural imperative of every man to fuck as many women as possible throughout life and to uh, splash in these nectars of nature with no hesitation, no regard for uh, HIV and no regard for any goddamn thing in the world, any law. Uh, I, I, I suggest you keep laws in mind. You know, don't don't break any laws. But uh, I'm just talking. You know, um, what uh, nature has de- how nature has designed us to be, and how a person can uh, retain dignity. But uh, at the same time, sometimes dignity isn't meant to be uh, retained. Constantly, I—I I mean, if there was, uh, 
if I believed a person should live with dignity 100% of the time, I would have gone to prison a long time ago because I wouldn't go a single night without pussy if if it wasn't for not wanting to go to jail. So um, uh, it's it's extremely important, uh, and, you know, I'm starting out just addressing the uh, men out there. It's extremely important to never let this biological imperative escape your mind. Society, including our uh, counterparts of the other gender, uh, try to dissuade us from this uh, imperial goal. And yes, it is imperial. It's conquest, it's violation, it is penetration. And the uh, I contend that the unbroken male spirit never forgets this imperative and he dashes forward with as much veracity and ferocity as he can and uh, he just lunges forth and he tries and uh, it's not about even how what I'm, I mean how successful a man is that it can be another discussion but the discussion I'm making right now is uh, what leads to a broken spirit or what a, what is the sign of a broken spirit and what's the sign of an unbroken spirit. Uh, I contend that a man who has abandoned that philosophy for any reason has a broken spirit and that... Uh, I, I think that uh, modern relationships, as they're as they stand, are unnatural, and uh, I think that there have been times in human history in which natural order was in place within uh, communities of white people. But those times have not been, certainly have not been since Christianity has taken over. So, uh, you know, I talk to various men who express various different philosophies on this. And the way I see it is nature has given us that imperative and... uh, you know, a man could go 10 years without being able to get any uh, pussy. And as long as he still has that longing, I mean, that would be pathetic, but if he still is longing for it every day and night and, like, fantasizing, then his spirit hasn't been broken. But the moment he starts convincing himself that this is a natural way to live or that, you know, going months without it between relationships or something is a natural way to live. The moment he starts rationalizing the intolerable, he's lost his dignity. The same as a white man or woman has lost their dignity if they start rationalizing the intolerable racial crimes that are being committed against us, whether it's the physical brutality 
of inner city uh, beatings and muggings and so forth and murders, or the media brutality and how they report things that are going on against the white race, accepting that brutality and injustice is uh, is just losing all your dignity. And likewise, you lose your dignity when you try rationalizing uh, any form of abstinence or uh, even monogamy. So, uh, and I will say that uh, I don't even think that, and a lot of uh, my male comrades disagree with me on this part, and if I was going to, like, try to have a male conspiracy or, you know, only if I was going to be a fake and say things like hoping to sway society toward somehow being domesticated by me, I wouldn't say this next thing, but since I'm being honest and analyzing uh, people and nature, uh, I'll tell you what I've come up with. I don't think it's natural for women to be monogamous either. I think that uh, it's natural for people of both genders to try to have as many uh, experiences with as many uh, different people as possible. That's what I think. And now, whereas I normally believe that, I mean, under normal circumstances, I believe that a person should be honest and stick to commitments and agreements, uh, and that that's a good show. I mean, that's a sign of good character. I think that there are exceptions to that rule, and the the only exceptions are cases in which society as a structure has, or you know, society or civilization has squeezed you into a position where the only way to uh, make manifest an acceptable way of life, the only way to uh, indulge yourself in things that nature has told you through your genes, you must indulge in or you're going to be miserable. If the only way to do these things is to lie to somebody, then I contend that it's uh, good to do that. For instance, if uh, if you have to enter into an unnatural form of relationship in order to procreate. Okay, well, so you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm perfectly capable of uh, doing everything I need to do and... Uh, and like in an undomesticated uh, society, but with all these unnatural laws around and with the media and this uh, Judeo religion pumped into the heads of my fellow people, they're not going to want to do anything uh, with me that is going to fulfill my life's goals if I don't uh, lie to them. So then you have to lie to them, see? 
that in cases like that, lying is a is a noble thing, and that's uh, for males and females alike. And you know, whereas I hate women who cheat on my male friends, I don't give a good goddamn about any of the guys who aren't my friends if they're uh, getting cheated on by. Uh, quote there unquote women so uh, but I as a man you know I look at things through the man's point of view uh, generally so that's like where my heart is and I just wanted to uh, um, advise men that uh, your spirit is broken if you give up that imperative it doesn't matter how many noble white men have given that up and they uh, just don't realize that it, that they've given up on something important, uh, but they really have. You know, some of our heroic uh, leaders of past and present have advocated monogamy and believed in it, and I think some of them have actually even practiced it, some of these guys. But that doesn't matter. You have to look within your own heart, and when you hear my words and my outlook on it, you know I'm right. Listen to my words, close your eyes, feel what's in your heart, and dash out the door to the first tavern you can find, whether you, whether you're drinking or not. Just do what you got to do. Um, and uh, this brings me to my next point. Um, that's part of the title of this episode: the most noble way to die. Okay, you know. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys die in a hospital bed with some uh old rag at their bedside and uh um, I'm just looking at <laughs> I got distracted by some of the stuff in this chat box here and the might is right dot net page uh, okay so um Anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, so this, uh, yeah, the the most noble way to die. Okay. Uh, I took some notes here. Uh, yeah. So, yes, uh, the the urge to. Uh, have sex with as many women as possible, begins at the onset of puberty, and lasts until death, which preferably occurs during intercourse with a female one-sixth his age. Okay, so uh, that's what I think is the best way to die. Uh, you're an old man, you know, she's uh, she's in her teens, and, uh, you know, that can uh, strangle the life right out of you. I don't want to die in peace. I want to die in war, in friction. And uh, if I could die like that while some Jew, right before some Jew sprays machine gun fire onto my house, that would be the best way to go. Or best yet, you know... Well, anyway, I could go on and on about different uh, scenarios, but you catch my drift. 
you know, and it doesn't matter if you have to pay or uh, what what you got to do, but uh, but it's you know that's the most noble way to die. It really is. And um, so uh, yeah, that's the uh, best way to die. And uh, let's see now. Quite, uh, let me see here. Yeah, I came upon an interesting theory of, uh, by, well, I, I saw Varg saying it in a video. Uh, he attributes the theory to his wife. Uh, the theory is that we, the white race, are Neanderthals and that uh, the Jews have intentionally depicted Neanderthals in a negative light in order to insult their ancestors and create a mental break in our minds in the lineage between our uh, ancient primitive ancestors and us. And they don't want us to know who we are, but uh, uh, I believe her name is Marie Cachette. I'm not sure the French pronunciation of that, but uh, Varg like legally changed his name to Louis Cachette. And uh I believe if if my memory's correct, that's his wife's name. But she uh um she researched the subject and published her findings on it. And uh, uh according to what Varg is saying on it, uh whites are a mix of Neanderthal uh well, this this sounds terrible, but uh, you know he's talking mix from thousands, tens of thousands of years ago, probably. But uh, a mix of Neanderthal with uh, some African, but the Africans have no Neanderthal in them. Uh, so we would be, you know, mainly Neanderthal, and the Orientals have some Neanderthal in them, but a smaller amount. I've got to uh I've got to watch the videos or read a book on it or something to get the full scope but that uh sounds like a fascinating uh theory to me that you know that it's definitely worth looking into and uh it it really makes sense like when I uh, uh Um, well, I just saw this uh, in the chat box. I'm not uh, sure what to say at this point. But, um, you know, you... Uh, I was told the uh, KD Rebel was red and everything went uh, fine. And, uh, you know, so... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.